Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, July 11th. I'm Desiree Frazier, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the future of abortion in Mississippi. Then we check in on the state's blossoming medical marijuana program. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. It's now illegal in almost all cases for a Mississippi woman to obtain an abortion in state. That's forcing advocates who believe in the right to the procedure to get creative. Michelle Cologne is executive director of Shiro, which she describes as a black woman's reproductive justice organization based in Jackson. Cologne tells MPB's Kobe Vance she's determined to continue helping women access abortion services, but she acknowledges the past few weeks have been devastating for her and the abortion rights battle. I think it's a feeling of defeat. It really is. It's a feeling of defeat and of sadness, you know, tragedy. I don't, you know, I still haven't processed it because, like I said, you know, um, it was a done deal to me back, you know, last year when the Supreme Court announced that they were going to, you know, they were going to hear the case. Um, I was never optimistic about it being anything other than what it is. And it's unfortunate for Mississippians because folks in Mississippi have been dealing with, you know, being on the chopping block for some time and, with that clinic being the only clinic in the state servicing, you know, everyone in Mississippi and the neighboring states and the challenges of native Mississippians, you know, trying to get to this clinic. Now that's going to be, you know, um, tenfold in trying to get to, you know, uh, the clinics um, in Illinois. So for pregnant people as of today, yes, you're correct. Uh, abortion is now illegal. It will be criminal. It's criminalized now. Um, and so what that means for all these people who, who think that this, this, um, this, uh, this exception in regards to rape and, and you know, the, the, the incident has to be, you know, reported to law enforcement and the threat, um, life-threatening uh, incident to the pregnant person's life, here's the thing. That all sounds good in theory, but people were already who were already in those scenarios still had to come to the clinic to get their abortions because 
the other medical facilities and providers would, would not do them. So you still, I'm just waiting for what doctor is going to say they're going to perform this abortion, right, in case of rape, right? Who, who's going to perform this abortion, uh, you know, to save a pregnant person's life? Those people had to go, they were referred to the clinic. And so now that there's no clinic, people in Mississippi are still left out of this, out of this, out of this, 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 this scenario. Um, it all sounded good, you know, when, when the antis, you know, are promoting it, like, well, look, we've got these exceptions. But there, there really isn't an exception when you don't have a clinic because they fought and they have now made it, you know, where the clinic had to close. So where are these individuals going to go if they are in that situation? Now, Mississippi did have that 10-day buffer between um, when the Supreme Court decision came out and when our trigger law went into effect. We've seen in other states that had trigger laws that immediately went into effect that their exceptions have already been called into question, whether tied to rape and being able to prove through a police report or doctors that are having to contact lawyers to be able to make sure that their patient is sick enough. Um, do you think that's something we're going to see in Mississippi? It's it, it's really tricky that you know this has come down to what the you know a lawyer you know and the legal system the judicial system um, defining what is 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 life threatening. Um, I do believe yeah that that we're going to have those instances, um, and it's unfortunate. Um, you know this again this is this is this is healthcare. This is this you know what I'm saying this is this is this is healthcare. Abortion is healthcare. It saves lives. And so, um, you know, lawyers and judges shouldn't be involved in this. Politicians shouldn't be involved in this. It should be between the individual and their provider, their doctor. Um, and so, you know, the anti-abortion side has made this very political from day one and has never rested. And, um, you know, this is on them for the people, the, Mississippi, the native Mississippians who are going to uh, be harmed by this. Um, and and, and, and the, harm that, the harm that I'm speaking of is, you know, yes, it's psychological harm. This is traumatic. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I, I, I'm hoping and, I, and, I'm, and I'm doing my damnest to make sure that, you know, people don't, you know, end up harming themselves by, you know, ingesting chemicals and, you know, doing things like that. Um, but there are going to be people uh, who, will, who will end up doing that because they are desperate. And, you know, that is on that. You talk about blood being on somebody's hands. This is all on the attorney general's hands. This is on, you know, uh, 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 all of the all of the antis, you know, this anti-human uh, rights uh, Supreme Court. I'm not going to call them a conservative court because it's, they're not conservative. We need to remember it was a conservative court that gave us well. This court is anti uh, human rights. They're human rights violators. That's what they are. And so, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a tragic day in Mississippi when you have a medical facility that has been a staple in this community for nearly three decades. You know, they were there before a lot of those businesses and Fonzer, before Fonzer became funky, right? Um, they had been, you know, providing abortion health care for families, you know, throughout Mississippi, and the neighboring states. And um, they did so, you know, with all this backlash and without the protection of law enforcement and, you know, the constant threats uh, and, and violence and disrespect 
Um, not only is that coming from the antis, but also coming from, you know, um, politicians, um, their neighbors, you know, lack of support from, quote unquote, progressive uh, or less groups and individuals. And it took a damn Supreme Court case to over, overturn Roe and criminalize abortion for people in Mississippi to finally, you know, like wake up and see, you know, that, wow, this is serious. And, you know, it's a little too late. It's a little too late because, you know, now all of Mississippi is, is going to suffer. Are y'all looking at any ways to help people get reproductive health care? And what do you think might happen when it comes to things like illegal abortions in the state uh, that are going to be carried out, people getting in medications from other states that are FDA approved? What do, what do you think Mississippi could start to see in the future to try to address the whole left by abortion rights? Right. So – um, you know, hopefully, you know, look, I know that the other side has already got their wish list prepared. And, you know, hopefully, you know, those individuals who, you know, who say that their opponent, um, you know, against this ban um, will have something crafted and will have the support because I support any legislation that is uh, that is 100 percent about repealing any and all, you know, abortion bans. Uh, we need to be protecting uh, self-managed abortion, and that, that means, you know, the SMA, that is the, you know, uh, delivery and prescription of uh, the abortion pills for folks to be able to get them sent to their homes or the prescriptions, being, you know, being sent to their their um, pharmacies. We need to be working on legislation that's going to protect, protect that option and to uh, protect the individuals uh, against being criminalized for uh, doing SMA. Um, I'm not a lawyer and I'm not a legal scholar, and I know that there are, you know, there are several uh, several groups, um, both nationally, um, that are that are working to try and, you know, trying to, you know, navigate through those murky waters. Um, you know, again, what politicians need to be doing is listening to, you know, what the what 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 the people in the medical field are saying, what these institutions are saying, like the, you know. Um, ACOG and things like that and the FDA, and they have said that, you know, uh, self-managing your abortion with, with the pills is, is safe. And so that medication should be available over the counter, I mean, in, in all actuality. And so hopefully there's something will come about, um, not just in Mississippi, but in other parts of, of the country to protect that, to protect that access. I know you don't have a medical background, but what do you think is going to happen when it comes to the health outcomes of Mississippians who are pregnant or, you know, the children when they do give birth? Well, you know, as I've been saying, and like I said, a proof is in the, in the pudding. The statistics don't lie. You know, <laughs> Mississippi is, is highest, is one of the highest, if not the highest, uh, you know, infant mortality rate, um, the highest black maternal mortality rate. So, you know, it's dangerous for pregnant people um, to be pregnant in Mississippi. It's dangerous for them to give birth in Mississippi. Uh, the babies are not being born healthy. Uh, black women and black pregnant people are, if they're not dying um, in childbirth or during pregnancy, half of them don't make it to see their babies turn one year old. So, um, yeah, there are going to be some deaths. Um, I don't, I, I'm hoping, and I really don't believe it'll be, at the rate as it was, you know, before Roe, um, because, you know, again, we have, we do have the abortion pill. There's, there's just so much more information and, and technology out there 
Um, and so if people can access that, and again, the access has always been a challenge because for black and brown women and, and particularly people in Mississippi, while, you know, Roe, yeah, Roe was, was there, you know, but if you can't access the abortion, access the right, it's the same thing as you not having that right. Again, it's, it's unfortunate and it's a sad day in Mississippi um, because these people's lives matter. These people, they matter. They're, these existing people, they matter. And, and, and they shouldn't have to, their lives should not have to be in jeopardy, you know, or go through some type of traumatic experience in order to get, you know, receive the abortion care that they, they, they're seeking and that they deserve. And they shouldn't have to travel across country to get the care that should be available right here in their own community. Michelle Colon is executive director of Shiro. Coming up, we check in on the state's blossoming medical marijuana program. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. As of the first of this month, Mississippi's medical marijuana program is officially a go. That means it's time for prospective cultivators and distributors to make sure their T's are crossed and their I's are dotted. Claire Millette is an attorney working with the State Department of Revenue to ensure cannabis businesses are properly regulated. She tells MPB's Rhonda Dunaway what participants in the new industry need to know. There's a $25,000 annual fee and then a $15,000 application fee for the state of Mississippi for for submitting for a license for a dispensary application. The $15,000 fee is a non-refundable fee. It's your application fee, and so it's a one-time fee. Your $25,000 fee is the annual fee that a dispensary will be required to pay to maintain um, a current and compliant license. And looking across the state, um, you kind of see all kinds of different things. And I think that being 37th in the nation to have a medical cannabis program has been something that um, we were able to use in Mississippi to our advantage when our legislators were crafting this law because they looked to see what worked, what didn't work in other states. There are some states that have a very, very low um, uh, dispensary fee, uh, like uh I believe it may be Oklahoma that's around $2,500. There are other states that have a very, very high one. And you can see problems with both of those. You can see if if the fees are too low, you have a flooded market. You have lots of people that are getting those licenses and going into the market, and there may be more than the supply can, can, can meet. Um, that there's too many dispensaries there. And so no one can ultimately be all that successful with that level, um, with that number of dispensaries. Also, um, there's a lot of hidden costs that go into running a dispensary. And so a lot of times in a state like uh, with a lower dispensary fee, you may have people that that um, are submitting for a license. They can afford that application fee and that licensing fee, but then the business may not be capitalized well enough to, to run successfully um, with all the other things and costs that go along with running a dispensary. Um, on the other hand, if you have a state where the licensing fees are so high or limited, um, that really doesn't help a lot of your um your, your smaller players be able to enter the market. You see those coming big corporations and, and, and uh, with lots and lots of capital are the only ones that can afford that. So that, that it's cost prohibitive for as many people to, to enter that market and try to have a successful business in that state. So I think that 
our legislators were very thoughtful in coming up with those fees. So were the agencies that are including those fees and, and reviewing them for their regulations. Um, this would be the Department of Revenue. And uh, the goal is really to make sure that we are – it's an expensive license to apply for. Um, and so because of that, there's a lot of stringent requirements that go with that application. But it's, it's also a way of protecting even that prospective dispensary owner to make sure that they really have what they need to be a successful business. The equipment required to keep up with the seed to sale tracking system, which I thought yes. was interesting. And then the yes. security that I saw that was required, that alone, I mean, that alone is it got to be a you know a pretty big investment, so I can understand what you're saying about you're looking for a certain level of investors. But do you think these these fees, these costs, this set of regulations, are they strict compared to the nation, and will this attract industry? I think I think that they have they have chosen a very um, after looking at other programs what's been successful elsewhere and what hasn't. I think that these are these are very reasonable fees, but Location is important, and particularly when we're talking about fees, because the Mississippi Medical Cannabis Act does allow for certain areas to zone uh, for cannabis business establishments and charge an additional local fee if, if they so wish to. And there could be a local registry for that. Now, these fees have to be reasonable. Um, I believe the city of Oxford has recently done that. Um, but uh, so that's an, ad- an additional fee just to keep in mind. You need to make sure you're looking at if there's any additional fees in the area where you're looking to to place your dispensary. Um, but I think that I think that these are these are thoughtful uh, decisions on these fees that will that um, I think it will certainly bring business to our state. One of the things that's interesting is that uh, there is no residency requirement for ownership of a dispensary. So we will be seeing people from out of state coming in to Mississippi and setting up uh, dispensaries. Um, there's also uh, some some uh, groups that are looking to cultivate and process. They may be looking to open their own dispensaries as well, and they may, they may be Mississippi companies, but they'll have um, you know they are looking for that whole pathway to sale. And so I think that uh, the fees are. Are, are, are nicely set um, to allow a great deal of business to come in and also um, to they're not they're not so high that no one can afford to participate in this market now I do understand that they're high and I don't want to 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 belittle that they are but I do think that they're also in line with the cost that it'll take to operate that dispensary too one of the regulations that stood out to me, disqualifying felonies. Can you talk yes. a little a bit about what those are uh, and that that's, uh, includes for owners and investors? Yes, absolutely. So the Department of Revenue is defining anyone uh, that has an economic interest in uh, a dispensary. That would be um, pretty much anybody that is owning the dispensary, um, that has a contributed capital that will get revenue back, uh, well, that will get disbursements based on revenue back to submit for a background check for any disqualifying felonies. Another thing that's important to know is not only does that apply, the background check apply for your owners and your, um, your board members, your principals, 
anyone with an economic interest, it applies for your employees as well. And so um, that's a, a separate uh, pathway that you go through for your employees. They must have a work permit um, and they are a registered cannabis worker in the state of Mississippi. They get special credentials for that, but a background check is required for that as well. But this qualifying felonies that um, are being that these uh, that applicants are being screened for are um, there's a statutory group of, of, of felonies that include many of your violent crimes. Um, they include rape, murder, um, any crimes against children, um, any felony DUIs. That's one I get asked about quite often um, in the state of Mississippi. A felony DUI would be a, a DUI that would result in death, seriously serious bodily harm, or the endangerment of a child. So a DUI that is um, that doesn't have those kind of end results or is not a multiple offender DUI, um, those are considered misdemeanors. Those aren't exactly that, that, that's not what they're looking for. There's also um, disqualifying felonies that are involved with your controlled substance crimes. Um, that um, Selling anything that would be involved um, with a felony related to controlled substances. There is a caveat that that speaks to um, a crime that now under this act, that action would be legal. That that doesn't count. Um, but another thing um, that is important to know is that the felony and, and what is considered a felony is a conviction. So they're looking for convictions of these disqualifying felony offenses. Um, there's a statute available. There's um, materials available online on the, um, the Department of Revenue's website that gives you some information on a complete list of what those are. And you are required to submit a background affidavit attesting that you have never been convicted of one of these crimes. Um, if you've ever been arrested for one of the crimes, then you're asked to speak a little on that. And then you're required to submit a set of fingerprints. Those fingerprints for even dispensary applicants are to be taken to the Department of Health's drop-off center. And they, um, the Department of Revenue and the Trade Association as well um, provide links to some helpful information about uh, these crimes. Another thing to know is I talked about it being a conviction. That's what they're looking for. Also, if you were convicted in another state and that crime is considered a disqualifying felony in that state, that would count too, because each state has some different criminal laws. Um, and so just because something happened in another state, uh, that doesn't mean that it wouldn't be applicable to what they're searching for, uh, for disqualifying felony offenses in the state of Mississippi uh, for your, um, your, your dispensary applications and employment. That's attorney Claire Millett. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Stick around for a full morning of Mississippi Radio. Coming up at 9, it's Deep South Dining. Then at 10, it's Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey. And at 11, don't miss Southern Remedy. Find past installments of this and other Think Radio shows online at mpbonline.org. I'm Desiree Frazier. Join us tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio. Have a good day.